0: We have a guest speaker today, and many of you may already know him, um, but it's uh, Carl Durkup, who has been in the conference a long time as a pastor, and he actually, when he was still going to seminary, he was the youth director here at Happy Valley Church. So it's been a while, um, and I have gray hair, so like Carl said, so it's, it's been a while. But um, he has been um, a pastor at uh, Park Place Evangelical Church. He's retired a few years ago, but he's still busy filling in. And of course, he's here with his wife, Nancy, who accompanies him wherever he can. is this great? Um, I think you're going to enjoy it. Also, you might not know, Carl is Mark's brother, and so Annie's uh, brother-in-law as well. So um, with that, I'm just going to have him come forward, and hopefully, I look forward to hearing what God has in store for us today. The real story with Annie is she heard I was going to be here <laughs> but uh mark is is doing pretty well hasn't seemed to have had some of the problems that he's had in the past when Annie was gone um It's left to two brothers to go visit him more often. We've been trying to do that because even with that we can't we are not there nearly as much as Annie is, and uh so uh I do appreciate your prayers for him during this time. And uh, so it has been a long time. Uh Nancy and I were here um uh, actually before we were married, uh, and uh, uh I was reminded of a walk-a-thon that we did uh to her apartment and back twenty uh ten miles each way. Uh Later on, I found out, by the way, some of you who were on that, that it was really only about 9.1 miles each way. But <laughs> close, close enough. enough. But uh, those were good days, uh, days when Austin Chamberlain, Chamberlain was here as pastor, and uh, I learned an awful lot from him. Sat up right here while he preached, uh, and, and that was back in the days when we had to leave the windows open to get any air going in here. And uh, But it was, they were good days when we were here. So we're talking about kindness today, the spiritual fruit of kindness. How do you picture kindness? Now, in Pastor Jim's series on the fruit of the Spirit, you may have had trouble developing a clear picture of what each one of these fruit of the Spirit really looks like in our lives. Don't feel bad about that, because, uh, and don't blame Pastor Jim or, or me after this Sunday about that. Uh, the meanings of these words are really broad. Uh, you you could probably uh, preach ten sermons on each one of these fruit of the spirit that is there. Um, the, they're all encompassing. Uh, many many similes are used to uh, in place of the word kindness. And just think of that. Think words like mercy and so forth. But here in this passage, if you look at various different, and I'm not going to read the Galatians 5 passage. you know the fruit of the Spirit is love, and all these are listed, and we're at kindness today. But um, the words, various words used to translate kindness here include kind acts, gentleness, mercy, loving kindness, And some of the newer translations use a whole sentence, it seems like. Today's fruit is kindness. Now, maybe it would be easier if we pictured uh, an act of kindness that that we're familiar with. Uh, Back in in 2000, uh, I was in the hospital for five days with cancer surgery, having had cancer surgery. And two pastors visited me. Uh, the f- one was Pastor Glenn Boring, who was then uh, at the Harmony Church, not very far away here, and then already retired Pastor uh, Art Cobb, uh, who Art would come and fill in for me as I'm doing for Jim here today. Uh, now they didn't have to come visit me; it wasn't a part of any job description. Uh, it, for that matter, it would be, would have been outside any job description they had. They just knew that a pastor very often didn't receive pastoral visits in those kind of situations. And they came, and, and I'll remember that kindness uh, f- forever. So then keep that picture in mind, their purpose and their act of kindness, as we further explore this idea of the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness. Are any of you memorizing the, the fruit of the Spirit? Did Jim, give you that assignment? A few of you? Good. I don't know that I could do that. And part of the problem is just, again, these meanings of the words and the different translations today have different words to fill in there. And, uh, and it's very difficult. What's the difference between the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness, Galatians 5.22, and the hundred or so rescuers digging through the ruins of that condo in Florida? Or the so meaningful words of the politicians today. That was a little sarcastic, by the way. Um, Or the multiple fund me opportunities set up and filled up by people across the country. There is a very clear, human, heartfelt experience of kindness that you and I see every day. Uh, We see it all around us. But in the book of Galatians, we see something a little bit different. We see a people that were ostracized. And this was the Gentile believers. And if you remember uh, uh, back in chapter uh, 2, if you've been reading that recently, um, the, uh, the Gentile believers had been set aside over at another table, if you would. And Paul takes Peter to task for that because he was allowing that to go on. So we see both the Jew and Gentile believers, those who had discriminated, And those who were discriminated against, both were being exhorted here to explain, to display the fruit of the Spirit which expresses itself in kindness. When trouble comes, when lines of division are crossed, when persecution rears its ugly head, when the world doesn't expect it of us, do we still demonstrate the fruit of the kindness? Do we exhibit extreme kindness? This is the fruit of the Spirit that should be in us. Do we practice kind acts toward others even when they're not kind toward us? Now much is said about kindness and loving kindness and mercy in the Scripture, but I had trouble finding examples, stories about this fruit. To find an example, a story where kindness was demonstrated, extreme kindness was demonstrated, one I could preach on, I had to go to the Old Testament. So I'd like you to turn with me back to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Read the whole chapter, that's not a long chapter, 13 verses, but the story uh, covers the whole chapter. Verse 1, And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness, show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I might show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. And the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machar, the son of Amiel of Lodabar. And then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machar, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear. Now, A little bit later, we're going to talk about why he would maybe be in a place of in a state of fear. For I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is, what is your servant? that you should show regard for the dead dog such as I. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, For he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both of his feet. So let's be clear. This is not just everyday kindness that we see here in David. This was indeed extreme kindness. David didn't have to be kind to Mephibosheth. David was exhibiting, he called it, God's kindness. Loving kindness. Often God's kindness in scripture is translated loving kindness. That attribute that we generally only assign to God, but which in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, exhibit the fruit kindness. God's kindness. And isn't that what the fruit of the spirit is? It's the child of God living through the Spirit of God in a way that the world cannot live. It's being perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect, Matthew 5. But perfect here in Galatians 5 in a kind of a growing, developing sort of way. Um, I have some apples on my apple tree at home. Now, that's not unusual for most apple trees. But it is the most we've ever had. Trees about... Seven years, I don't know how old it is. There's about ten or so apples on it. Now this is summer, and the apples are not fully developed. They are yet a little bit small. Maybe half or three-quarters the size they will be in September when we harvest the apples. But already they are perfect representations of what a half-ripe apple ought to be. They are perfect. So we see David here, a kindness that is perfect in God's eyes, greater than the world of his day, greater than the world of our day. It was a perfect example, even in our day, of the expectation God has for his people, that God has for believers, for us. If we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, as it says in Galatians 5.25, if we're going to live in a way other than the world lives, If we're going to live in a way that doesn't gratify the sinful nature the previous paragraph talked about, we need to show kindness. We need to show extreme kindness. And this is what I want you to understand from this passage today. Every believer today, every believer can and should demonstrate extreme kindness. Every believer should demonstrate at least The kindness of David, the level of kindness that David showed to Mephibosheth. And this is how we should then picture extreme kindness. First of all, like David, we must purpose to show kindness. And we see that in verse 1, verse 3 here. We have to have a plan to show kindness. Now in chapter 8, verse 15 and following, David called a conference of all of his leaders, generals, priests, administrators. And I'm not going to read those verses for you because there's another five or ten Old Testament names there that I don't want to have to go through. <laughs> um, but the first order of business for David and his council find someone in Saul's house. A search took place, it showed David's priority of kindness. The first act of this new king, the very first act of this new king was to be kind to Saul's house, kind to a son of Jonathan. This man after God's heart was the prime example of what we read yeah. on Proverbs chapter 21, verse 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness, and it's interesting how often those two concepts go together in scripture. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, in honor. Now, do you remember what the first act, uh, the first miracle was for Jesus? In John chapter 2, we read the story of how Jesus turned water into wine. It was an act of kindness. And let me explain. It seems that Jesus was at the wedding because his mother was. He and his disciples had been invited, it says there. But it seemed to be out of a simple circumstance that he was in town, and his mother was invited to a wedding, and so he and the disciples came along. We still do that, right? Who is it that's being married? You know, start inviting people, and you, you know you have to invite this one and that one. His mother was, as mothers are prone to be, a bit nosy. Can I say that? <laughs> Can I say that of Mary? Yes. <laughs> not here. She somehow heard that the servants, heard the servants talking about being out of wine. But the wedding feast wasn't over yet. She did what mothers often do. She took charge. Jesus, do something about the wine problem. What a faux pas. What a poor hostess was to run out of wine. The failure was not Jesus's. Why should Jesus bail him out? Because of kindness. His mother's kindness to the host and Jesus' kindness to to his mother. You know the rest of the story. Water into wine. uh, The best that they'd had that night. uh, All of this. The host was even surprised by all of it. It was extreme in its kindness even though the word kindness isn't used in that passage do you purpose do you make a plan in order to show kindness do you budget for each month setting aside a certain percentage a certain amount to use for other people's needs and we're talking about beyond a church tithe tithe to the church but just to meet the needs of others do you take make a spot in your weekly schedule to help a neighbor Or a fellow church attender who is now in assisted living? Do you plan a part of your vacation time to cross cultural lines and maybe minister to Native Americans in Eastern Oregon or or to feed homeless people under the Portland bridges? That's purposing. That's a plan to be kind. Very little is accomplished in life without a plan. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7 says, And God raised us up in Christ and seated us with him at the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God already plans, has a purpose to show us kindness in the ages to come through Christ Jesus. What is your plan? to be a part of that kindness to others. That would be extreme as our world sees it. Next in David's actions, we see that our kindness must cut across all social convention. Verse eight, we see this. Mephibosheth asked David, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog as I? He just put it out there real plain. In other words, this is not normal. This is unheard of in our culture. And this just doesn't happen in our practice of life. Commentator from several centuries ago, a, Albert Barnes wrote The world means goodness, the word means goodness, kindness, as opposed to harsh, crabbed, crooked, a disposition to treat all with urbanity and politeness. We aren't even polite today. That's not social convention. Uh, We must treat others by canceling them, unfriending them, censoring them. And when these things fail, we protest them and write graffiti on their business or light their dumpster on fire. That's our society today. We see it all around us. In David's day, it was even more dramatic when it came to having a new king. Here, David came looking for some of the remnant of Saul's family. Why would he do that? The usual process in that day had been for the new king to kill all of the former king's family. That's what kings did back then. Remember Herod the Great? He was the one that killed all the baby boys under two years of age because they might usurp his throne. And it was not a character for Herod. His paranoia over his right to rule caused him to murder his brother-in-law. Now someone might do that, but his, his <laughs> wife, his uncle, two of his sons. That was normal kingly action, social process in that day. David would would not participate in such socialized paranoia. But that wasn't the only cultural line David crossed to be kind to Mephibosheth. We see here that Mephibosheth was crippled, verse 3. To be crippled, they didn't have PC terms back then, so that's what he was, meant that a person was ostracized for any religious leadership, Leviticus 21. Possibly even political leadership. And we know from the Gospels, even from polite society. Remember the lame man by the gate who couldn't go into the temple but sat by the gate to receive alms from Peter and James and John. Jesus gave instructions in Luke 14 about hosting a wedding feast. He said, it is customary to invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. Then he said, don't do that. Uh, That's my paraphrase. Jesus says, bring in the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, the the riffraff of society, the, the lowliest. And then he goes on, they cannot repay you. In other words, they can't return the invitation. They can't bring gifts to your big party. And then he says, Jesus is saying, cut across all societal norms and show kindness to the lowliest in society. David didn't care about Mephibosheth's possible potential uh, rivalry to his throne. He didn't care about Mephibosheth's deformity. He sought to honor him, to care for him, to protect him. And that's extreme kindness, even in our society today. Jesus said of our enemies in Luke 6, But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. That's pretty extreme, right? And your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He's referring to us before grace. Again, if God is so kind to us, should we not be kind as he is kind? But David goes even further here in this passage we now notice that our kindness must bring about restoration verse 9 says then the king called ziba saul's servant and said to him all that belonged to saul and all to his house i have given to your master's grandson now so far we've talked kind of talked about what kindness doesn't do here is what extreme kindness can do if we plan and prioritize it and if we don't get encumbered by society and what their expectations are. What a transformation for Mephibosheth. He went from hidden to hosted, verse 4. He had been hiding, and, and as, I, as I was writing this, I, I, I wish I could do justice to the idea of, of the movies we see where someone who is hiding from the authorities, you know, and all the lengths they go to, to, to hide in some uh, hidden bedroom or, or what have you. He's hiding himself, he's hidden, but now he's being hosted, he's restored, he's eating at David's table. He went from homeless to having a homeland. Verse seven, no more sleeping under bridges for Mephibosheth, now he's slept in his own bed, in his own home, on his own land. Think about that contrast. Think about what extreme kindness provides for others today. He went from giving homage to David to receiving honor from David as Jonathan's son. Is that truly possible? Is it really possible? Let's look at the example of God again. Titus 3, 3 and 4. For we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another, but... When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. He received us. He restored us. And we need to go no further uh, for an example here than the story in, in, in the New Testament about the prodigal son. The runaway had squandered everything. His inheritance, his standing, his family relationships, they're all gone. But much much different from Mephibosheth, Uh, he did it on purpose. So, So it's not just losing these things, but it's rejecting these things. Yet his father stood waiting and watching for the return of the son that he loved. And when the father saw the runaway, he ran to him and hugged him and kissed him and put the family ring back on his finger. He restored him to family relationship out of the loving kindness that had gone unstated and unexpressed until it could be upon his return. Now here's where planning to be kind takes it on extra meaning. Restoration of another person presupposes that we know them, that we know what they've lost, that we know where their where their lostness had taken, has taken them. Not just know of them, but, but not just know of their troubles, but rather we know what drives their actions. We know their preferences. We know their likes and dislikes. We know the people that they know and that they care about, or maybe the people that no longer care about them. Friends, how well do you know one another? Really know what would best meet your fellow pew sitters needs the one in front of you or behind you or next to you how well do you know the deepest desires of their hearts nancy and i had a rather odd second sunday in one church that we pastored we pastored three churches so that so you, you if you know what those churches are you can you can choose what you think they might be but anyway it was an odd second sunday now the first sunday had gone great it seemed to have gone very well People had been friendly. They'd welcomed us with a potluck and, and we settled into the parsonage and I settled into the church office. But then came the second Sunday. The service went, went well. We met people at the back of the sanctuary. But then about five, maybe it was a few minutes more than that, five minutes later, Nancy and I turned and looked at each other. We were the only ones left in the foyer. And out. The, in the parking lot was empty. If this was all the time this congregation spent together, how could they really know one another? How could they meet one another's needs? And what had happened to all the fellowship we'd seen expressed that first Sunday? Which kind of brings me to the final act of kindness that we see here from David toward Mephibosheth. Our kindness must end in true fellowship. Now that we know one another, we know what one another's needs are, we can share with one another in a way that we couldn't share before. Verse 10, C says, shall always eat at my table. First part of verse 13 says, he was always at the king's table. Now, hospitality played an important role in ancient societies. Remember how, and this is interesting, uh, Sodom was mentioned in one of the choruses. You know, you hardly hear any of that, but... uh, there in, in, in Sodom, Lot uh, was living, and you remember know, he picked the best land, and he moved to, towards Sodom. And, but two angels came to visit him, and he hosted them and protected them from the mob. The Passover meal, remember, was often shared with others because the lamb, which had to be completely eaten, was often too much for one family. And so therefore they were to bring in others from either either foreigners or people from other families and eat the Passover meal together. In the book of Ruth, we have the story of Boaz protecting Ruth among his harvesters and providing extra grain for Ruth and Naomi, an act of fellowship that took on greater insignificance as Ruth and Boaz became husband and wife. The greatest act of hospitality however in scripture the greatest act of fellowship we find in jesus breaking the bread and passing the cup at his last passover meal before the crucifixion the kindness was extreme in that even judas who had already connived with the religious leaders to turn jesus over to them he too received from the hand of jesus and yet in 1 Corinthians 11 in the church there in Corinth we read that not many decades later in Jesus's instructions to the, we see the instructions for the Lord's Supper that the Corinthians were not coming together for the Lord's Supper in a way that showed kindness and fellowship to one another. Let me read this passage from 1 Corinthians 11 verse starting with verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, is it not for the better? It is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions. So he says divisions. Divisions is one thing. Factions mean they kind of built walls. They kind of align themselves with others. Among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Now that was his way of satire. He recognized, I'm the genuine believer, so I don't need to share with this not-so-genuine believer. Verse 20, when you come together, is it not the Lord's supper that you eat? For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Paul tells them to plan ahead and bring enough food to share. They were to purpose to show fellowship by sharing with one another. That uh, They were to honor, not humiliate. That was the only way to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness. That was the only way to be different than the society around them. In Ephesians 4.32, Paul simply states, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Our final example. Example of extreme kindness today, our our final illustration, if you would, is our participation in the Lord's Supper. Please don't enter into it unworthily like the Corinthians. Make this an act of fellowship. Make, Make this an act of sharing the goodness of Christ with one another. Maybe even make this an act of restoration with someone else in the church, if that is needed. An act of extreme kindness. Would you pick up your communion elements? Hear the invitation of the t- to the table of the Lord. All you who truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love in love and fellowship with your neighbors, in other words, are practicing kindness to one another and and intend to live a new life following the commandments of God, walking from henceforth in his holy ways, draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament at the invitation of Jesus Christ. Are you showing kindness to your neighbors? That would be the question that we have when we come to communion this morning. Are you demonstrating, have you demonstrated today the fruit of the Spirit, which is extreme kindness? If your answer is yes, or if your answer is, forgive me, Lord, I've not been showing kindness, then you may participate in the remembrance of Christ's blood and body on the cross. O God, who in your great mercy to give your only son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, we draw near with humility in the celebration of this memorial of his suffering and death. O merciful Father, we ask you to bless and sanctify us with your word and spirit. These your gifts of bread and juice. I'd like you to uncover the, the bread. Wait just a moment some of it's difficult The Lord Jesus Christ who gave his body for you preserve your soul unto everlasting life Take and eat this bread in remembrance that Christ died for you feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving let us eat together Dear heavenly Father thank you for your son, sent to the world to be the redemption. Thank you for his body, though perfect in all actions and thoughts, yet placed on a cross to bear our sins. Thank you for remembering the remembrance we have of him. May I uncover the juice? The Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for you, preserve your soul unto everlasting life. Drink this cup in remembrance that Christ shed his blood for you. Partake of him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. Tank and drink together. Dear Heavenly Father, as we think of The cup that was shared, the cup of the four that was shared at this time, I believe, to be the cup of fellowship, which signified that all who gathered for the Passover were to be one. We think of your son Jesus praying at that meal, John chapter 17, praying that we would all be one as you are one. So just as you practice loving kindness to us by sending him, we ask that we would practice loving kindness to one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. At home I have a picture, and I was supposed to get here today, but I didn't get it here. Uh, that we took uh, in Newport this week, we were down during the hot days, we were down there where it was cool, and we uh, we parked at the back of a parking lot to get into the shade next to a pickup, and uh, the pickup on the back window of the pickup, um, I don't know if it was the driver or maybe the passenger, had put the words, practice kindness, so let's go. And practice kindness. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you this week as you practice kindness.